Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. You gave me a funny look like, is my, is this my sound off or are, you, are we good? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know why I gave you a funny look. I'm, you know me too well. You probably if you're not, if you're not, if you're listening to this, we would encourage you to go watch the YouTube channel. And I need some feedback. Did Jamie give me a funny look or not? Because I just think he did. Eyes up mindset on the YouTube. On the YouTube, I think I sound old, yeah. Jamie. That sounds yeah. old. That a little bit, but we let's face it, we're we're getting there. We're yeah. getting to the older portion of life. We're not all the way there, but we're we're getting there. What keeps us young, though, is having incredible conversations, awesome conversations, challenging conversations with people in our lives that grow us and ultimately, hopefully grow you out there as a listener. No surprise, Jamie. Another good one today. Absolutely. And, and I think we've just been unbelievably blessed to have these people keep showing up. And, and I think that's the thing. Like, seek out these sort of conversations seek out these moments in your life and they will continue to show up if you're if you're willing to do it and i i mean we've talked about it before the more we pay attention to something the more it comes back to us right we have to do this intentionally on purpose when it comes to these types of conversations the one today was just a awesome opportunity to talk about something we really enjoy football but from a completely different context than is the normal conversation. Um, we talked to Travis Walsh, who's doing some really cool things with youth football. Um, and I think it's a great challenge to us to think about how do we do our every day because and, they're doing it different. And why, right? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is drawing from all sorts of different fields of expertise in sports and, and also looking at the why and the how you do what you do and not just getting stuck in the same routine. Routine is really good. And we preach about routine. We talk about routine and how can, that can be beneficial, but only if it's intentional and it's still continuing to grow you and you're able to progress toward the thing that you're trying to seek. Well, and I think routine is valuable unless if it's working, right? And I like, again, I'll, I'll quote Hemingway here and I don't, he says it either works or it's BS either works or it doesn't. And we know when something's not working, what Travis said is that the model for football right now is not working when it comes to competing against other sports, the retention aspect of football is struggling in comparison to other sports. Think about our workplaces in our lives. Where, where is it not working and how do we make change? Well, and I, I just think about the workforce in general right now. One of the biggest issues we're facing as a country is how, where can we get workers? And it doesn't matter if it's Minnesota, or Michigan, Montana, California, Colorado. The story is the same everywhere. It's there's not enough people to, to work these jobs, right? So how do you retain people? How do you get them to buy into what you're doing, enjoy what they're doing, and, and pull together toward a common goal? This conversation speaks to that in one context specifically, but as always, there are takeaways in here that are way bigger and com can come out. And I'm just grateful for the work that Trav's doing. Um, and it's a, it's a really cool opportunity to think differently. And that's what we're about thinking 
impacts performance and the thoughts that they're having around how do we do this better are unique and important. Travis Walsh, here we go. Travis Walsh, we are incredibly excited to have you on. It's cool because you are a contact through my high school football coach who obviously means a lot in, in my upbringing, but he has nothing but great things to say to you. And we were talking just a little bit that we don't really know how to describe <laughs> what it is, all of the things that you're trying to do to grow the game of football. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about what it is you're trying to do and what it is you do to attempt to make some money in this thing? Yeah. Um, uh, well, thank you first off for having me uh, and agreed, you know, coach Murph and his family have been important to me, um, recruited for, from coach Murph forever and yeah. then had the chance to recruit his sons and then a couple others in the Nicolet community. And we've just, we've remained close, you know, if you do it the right way and you pride ourselves on building relationships and that type of things. And it, it shouldn't end after four years. Right. And you guys know exactly. that we just kind of had that conversation. Um, I, I don't know. I think I would say the same thing as you and maybe my wife would say the same thing. Like, what are you doing right now? Um, it's been, if fundamentally, if I'm going to break it down, I would say, if someone said to me, what are you trying to do? I would say the two things that stick out is I want to help regrow football um, in all communities uh, with, with all people. And I want to do within that mission, do whatever we can to retain the kids once we get them there. And I think it, this is just me reflecting on my own experiences and, and, and talking to other people and going out and asking when we're running these football camps why are you playing football? Why aren't you playing football? And how does that compare with maybe some of the other activities that you're able to do? So from a mission standpoint, I guess it's really pretty simple. Um, the pieces that I've gathered and figured out, I guess our programming has, has it's just kind of moved me all over the place. It's not what I, it, I originally thought it was going to be. So I'm assuming as we talk, a lot of those pieces come out. For sure. but, um, uh, two years ago, has it been three now? It was Valentine's Day in 2018 was the last day I worked at St. Thomas. And um, I had coached 21 years of college football, started right out of, right out of playing, going right into being a GA at Winona State. And um, after 21 years, it's not that I didn't like it. Um, it's not that I couldn't have done it forever uh we, we really had a great situation there and i'm working for well number one we're in a league that you guys are familiar with where when you talk about the work-life balance i mean every game is basically a home game i you know we, we go over to buffalo on a saturday but we're not going overnight i mean once every two years you have an overnight trip so it really set up like a high school schedule and then on top of it i worked for a guy that we never had to be in the office before 8 30 that's when meetings started and coach caruso and we never were there after practice. We, we were expected to take everything home. You know, there was just no need. We, we got in, we got our work done throughout the day and the expectations were there, but I, I don't know if I could have had a better setup in terms of the league that we were playing in and, and the type of guy I was working for. And even with all that being said, there was an itch, you know, there was something that I thought I could do this for the next 20 years. It would be the safe play. Um, I would still enjoy doing it. 
But would I look back at some point and say, you know what, maybe, maybe I should have tried something else. And that's where we got to the point in the season of 2018 where and talking to my wife, you know, what, what can we do and, and what would you like to do? And um, so that, that, that's kind of the intro, I guess, of where I'm at now, the, the different things I've done, you can, you can ask me about, but uh, that, I guess that's maybe a, an intro, the best intro I can give. For sure. And I think one of the things like as a takeaway for me is this idea that when we get that itch, right, we, we need to take the risk. We need to go and step out and do the thing that says, let's give this a meaningful shot because the mission, as you say, it is to grow the game of football and then to retain kids when we're there. But I think the thing that you're doing is also the capacity that any coach can hear. It's not football. It's not soccer. It's not basketball. It's not baseball. It's not even necessarily sport. It's, you know, and we're going to get into some of the, how you're doing this stuff. But when we talk about retention, like that should be our mission when it comes to kids, you know, like how do we keep them in places that are going to help them be successful? You know? Exactly. And so um, when you say that word retention, it just like, it's just the bell dinging for me because that's when we get them around good adults, adults that are going to grow them and pour into them. Yep. How do we then attach that to a thing that they love to do and choose to be there? You know? So, yeah. So, so Travis, you talk about retention. How did you come to the, and, and I assume it was a combination of you being at St. Thomas, being recruiting, seeing programs all across the, you know, the Midwest and the, you know, wherever you guys were recruiting, but how did you get to that point where you were like, this is a problem. And I think, you know, I, I have the ability to solve it and I have the desire to help create this retention and grow football regrow football is what you kind of said yeah how'd, how'd you get to that point where you're like this is a problem and i want to go solve it or help well part, part, part of it is my family you know I, part of the movement out was was um of college football was i you know i was in the process we had two young girls at the time we now have three young girls under five so what you begin to say, and I, I had read a book and I, I wish I remembered what it was, but it basically said, you know, do something for 20 years really, really well, and then find a way to teach it. And that, that, that hit me. And, and I, I kind of did a little inventory and said, what are the things that I can do well? And I, I really liked recruiting. I had a lot of connections with a lot of high school football coaches and families um, I was a youth coordinator. So my other job in college in the summers, I would go home and I would run summer rec program. So uh, I'm an elementary ed uh, major. Uh, I have an education, a master in education. So I, I'm linking all these things together. And really what it was is there's the football piece and there is the working with young athletes piece. And I had a lot of working with athletes 18 to 21 and I valued it. Um, but the movement really started to go when I said, okay, I'm going to try something else. Well, what is it that I'm equipped to do well? And what are ways in which I can think differently about what it is we know as football or youth sports? And it went from there. And I, I shared this with Jamie on the phone. Um, my original plan was to go out and probably the, I'm not going to say the easiest way to make money, but it would have been to do private lessons. And I talked to a lot of guys I trusted. And there are many football coaches that said, Trav, if, if you're going to do that, 
we would certainly send our, our players to you. That, that's not the issue. But if you come in here and you're asking, what is it I can do to help your program get better? That's not necessarily my first answer. And I, I took that to heart. Now, it financially, it made it a different road. And I was about a month in and I'm going, okay, if I'm going to be true to what my goal was here, I'm going to have to shift. So then what happened is um, it is now June of 2018. I've not been working. I've not been at St. Thomas for three months. I had done a smattering of different things and uh, I was really setting this plan for private lessons and I was missing football. It was the first spring that I hadn't been a part of in 21 years. So I called Nick Johnson at Egan and he, he was just started. It was going to be his first practice ever as a head football coach. And I just said, Hey, can I just come down and watch? And uh, he said, yep. So I got down there and you know, we're chit chatting beforehand and he kind of gives me old, Hey, if you see anything we can do better, write it down. Well, I did. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it and he emailed me and he said, Hey, do you have those notes that you were working on the other day? And I emailed it to him and then he emailed me back and he said, Hey, you, you should do this. Like you got something here. And I'm like, I, I didn't even know what he was really, what he was saying. He's like, you should go out to high school and college football programs and evaluate them and be a consultant for them on efficiencies. Because really what you did here is you gave us a whole lot of information on how we can be more efficient on the football field, trying to move 60, 70, 80 people around. So I stumble into this consulting thing. I started calling top 25 guys that I recruited from that I have good relationship. Hey, what do you think? And uh, I had to try to figure out what that price point was, but you know, I had 25 clients the first year and it was fascinating. This is where the idea of what kids want, why do they enjoy sport? You know, I'm watching this, I, it doesn't matter who's backpedaling right. And it doesn't matter if the drill's being done perfectly. I'm seeing this as an outsider. It doesn't matter whose parents are running the booster club. Yeah, I'm just yeah. looking at is, are these kids enjoying this experience? And at that point, these layers start, these different things start happening. And one of them is I went to, well, one of the first ones is um, we started this Monday night football thing just me and a, and a former uh, a former player at St. Thomas who grew up on the east side of St. Paul. And my wife and I were living on the east side at that time. And we would go to these um, little rec centers and we would just say on Monday nights, we're just going to run football activities. And there would be 50 kids in a gym and it's 95 degrees running around playing basketball. We could not get them to come outside and play football. And so you just start saying, why? And I always, well, basketball is more fun. And I just let it go for a long time. Fun, 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 fun. But at some point I had to say, well, why is it more fun? And what kept coming back to me in essence was the ball. I can get the ball. I can go get the ball. Soccer, same thing. No one has to set up a play or tell me when I get to get the ball. So that was another tick mark in my progress of thinking, Fun is the ball. And I heard fun with friends a lot. And with friends to me is safety. It's the idea that I can be in a safe environment. I can um, feel included. I can recommend how we're going to run this play. I can ask if I want to play quarterback. 
And really it's like, okay, now they're talking about being player led and kind of taking the coach out of it, which so much of our youth sports does not have. Yeah. Youth sports is about coaches telling kids what uniform they're going to wear, when they've got to be at practice. And there we go. And then the last piece for me that really took this all the way around was I went to my daughter's, she's four and a half years old. I went to her first soccer practice and there are 50 and 60, 50 to 60, four and five year olds running around this, this uh, dome. And I'm thinking there's four coaches out there. I'm thinking logistically, this is going to be a nightmare. I mean, this is not going to be a good situation. And after 20 minutes, I was fascinated. Um, every kid was totally engaged. And in soccer, it's because when they go to practice, every kid brings a soccer ball with them. And I'm sitting there like, why, why don't we do this in football? They all have footballs at home. So why don't we make them bring a football? And why don't we build our youth football not so much to win games and learn how to play linebacker, but ages six to 13, whatever. Why isn't it built on just ball mastery and moving with the ball and small sided games and gamifying and, and all this stuff. So. Yeah. I, I, love it. <laughs> I, I think it's great because when, when we zoom out, right. And this is really what you're talking about is there's all these little inflection points. There's these details along the way that have said this thing, is meaningful. And this thing is meaningful. And this thing is meaningful. And they just add up over time. And when we when we have the capacity to zoom out and say, how do we put all of those pieces together, you can create something new, you can create an experience that is different. I, I mean, we were having this conversation on the phone. When I was a kid, when we were kids, we didn't need a coach to tell us to go play. Exactly. We grabbed a hey, ball. We didn't really it. have it. No. And it didn't exist, right? In the yeah. same way that it does today. You know, there was the, the beginning of, you know, I was a wrestler. So the only way you could wrestle was essentially supervised in a practice room with a kid. But I mean, not really, because you beat up on everybody in somebody's basement anyway. But yeah. but we made up games, right? We, yeah. we, we took a ball from one sport and we put it into another sport. And then we made rules from another sport. And like, that's what we did. And we just played, you know, and I, my wife is the early childhood special ed teacher and she talks a lot about like we've taken play out of schools. Well, have we taken play out of sports also, which is crazy because that's what they're for. And you've done some really cool things about bringing play back in gamifying some things. Can you talk how you've been creative? And I, and I challenge you as coaches out there listening, the stuff that Travis is going to talk about is really cool because it's taking stuff we know from places we're comfortable and we're mm -hmm. just tweaking it slightly to make it applicable to what we're doing. So how are you doing that with football? So um, what I did after watching my daughter's um, soccer practice is I started studying soccer, basketball, and hockey and the way that they drill their young kids. Um, and part of it is because those are continuous games. Those games can go on for long stretches of time. Unlike football, it's really built on seven or eight second reps. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing this, we have built our football model from pro college, high school, down to youth to look the same exact way where in essence, you stand in a line, you get a seven second rep with your position coach or coordinator or whatever. And then you go to the end of the line and that's how we do a lot of our individual training. 
but in these these flow games they can't train that way um even though that's the way i trained in soccer when i was young because we just had a bunch of dads that were football coaches just put a soccer ball out there right so uh, i'm studying these sports and i'm watching how they're doing and the light bulb goes on like we can do all of these flow never-ending drills all we have to do is put a football into it and so I'm studying these drills and I'm starting to go, okay. So um, the second piece of this, so we've now incorporated this in our youth camps at SMB, uh, Blake, SMB, uh, the Jalen Sugg School, I guess you could call it, and at Minnetonka. And we're really just kind of toying with the idea of how far can we go with this and basically using all these different drills from other sports, but putting football into it. So give us, um, give us an example of that, Travis, of, of, of a drill that, you know, because we, we have a lot of football yeah. people that listen. They're probably yeah. going to have some idea of what that looks like. But give us an idea of how you've adapted a common drill to, to look differently. Uh, I'm sure you guys have played. Or, I don't know if you played baseball. If you've played baseball, one thing my brothers and I did growing up, my mom and dad would play softball at the local city park, and we had to do something to keep ourselves busy for hours. And we played hot box pickle rundown, rundown, whatever it is. And I was thinking about this process and I'm like, well, you throw the ball, you catch the ball, you backpedal, you're moving and throwing, you're moving and catching. And everybody in the middle is just doing a pro agility. It's like, this is the perfect football drill. And I've never seen it done in a, in a, in a football situation. So a lot of it is just bringing back, like Jamie said, these little games that we played and, and, and putting a football to it. And what you end up finding out a lot of times is you'll start this. So we're working off kind of a, a play practice play model. When kids show up, we don't want to wait for everyone to get together. And then we all do our, our warmups together and all you come, you have a ball. We're going to start working some type of ball drill because you're the only one there. You can be doing something. And then a friend comes now we've got two people. So now we have a little game built in for two people. Like uh, we just call it the frame game. You throw it at each other and you got your hands up. And if you catch it here, it's three points, you know, do, 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 do. And then the kids started saying, well, can we move on the frame game? Yeah. Can the quarterback move? Can the wide receiver move? What if we do different scoring? What if we're not looking at the quarterback, but we're kind of tilted back this way and play frame game. And you just let these kids go so part of it as coaches is and I shared this with Jamie I, I was listening to a documentary on Mark Twain and Mark Twain was talking about they were quoting him as saying when I started writing I wrote as though I'd never read a book and he said because I had never read a book and really what I'm trying to do as a football coach is take 40 years of football experience and how I've been told it's supposed to be done as a coach and in a way try to slide it aside and say, let's invite in these other, these other sports that have gone on for 150 years. They got to be doing something right. You know, so th that would be a quick example in the baseball. And where that came from is I was asked by the Minnesota football coaches association to speak, do two presentations this off season. And uh, one of the youth coordinators called me and said, Hey, would you do a 50 minute presentation on quarterback fundamentals for you know youth kids and sounds without, exciting right, right without saying that i'm like i'm sure that's been done over and over and over again um give me two days i want to come up with something else if i'm going to take the time to do this i i want it to be good so i came up with the idea of saying 
how can we use all the other drills we've done in every sport I've ever played, whether it's wrestling, whether it's basketball, baseball, and simply taking a skill or something's very simple in their sport and putting a football to it. So one of the first things I thought of is basketball, jump ball. It's just three kids. One is serving as an official. There's two guys there, two other kids. And you just toss the ball up like you're the official. And the two kids, instead of trying to tip the ball, they want to go up and grab the ball and rip it away. And I think about all the years that I coach wide receivers trying to, trying to get them the perfect high point situation with a DB and a quarterback. And I'm going, we've just figured that out by simply so looking at a different sport. And the kids love it. And then what do you do? Gamify it. Well, how do you score it? You guys figure it out. You know, so part of it is stepping back as a coach and saying, we're giving you some really easy rules. And the other reason I like this stuff, when we, we want to tie this back into retention, we all want the 6'3 basketball player to come out and play football, right? But what are we doing to cater to him once he gets there to make him feel included besides throwing one fade of practice? You know, let's bring in drills for these wrestlers and soccer players and go, wait a minute, I'm, I got a little edge here because I know how this drill works. I can stand out. I can get the ball. So to me, it all ties back into retention. Let's get more kids out for football. Let's create a football environment that's more fun. And maybe that will help move the needle. So you talk about play, practice, play. They come, they play a little bit. Yep. And then you get into a more like traditional type practice or how does yeah. that work? Yeah, so um, the, the, the practice portion of it is um, kind of some group group drills that might be a little bit more football based. So for instance, we could do, we could show them, Hey, this is how you stock block. And then this is the finishing technique we want to use with it, which I'm a freak about this one finishing technique that is, is boxing out. So to me with youth kids and even with our, with our special teams at St. Thomas, we did not allow kids once, once they were blocking and their hands got outside of their frame, they didn't keep running their feet to try to get there. We would turn our body and we would box out. And um, so what we would do is we'll say, this is how you stock block. This is how you finish when he tries to move outside of your frame. And then what we do is we create a little circle and we make it a game, right? Now there's someone with the ball and you've got a blocker, you've got a defender. And once he gets outside the frame, you work on box him out. We call it eight seconds, bull in the ring, whatever. And we see how long that ball can stay without the defender being able to touch him. That's it. And the, the younger we're getting with a lot of this programming, as we're figuring out, it's basically Fayed with the football. And the kids love it. Now, the importance of the football, they got to handle the football. They got to work on running with the football. And ETS, I even think about hot bots like or, or rundown, right? We, we catch the ball at a high point. We're going to go up with our hands when it's high. We're going to go yep. down with our pinkies when it's low. We're going to have to reset and throw it different throw. times. Like we're going to throw on the run. I mean, I just think about all the things like I was watching a, a golf drill the other day and they're talking about exactly this, a shortstop turning a double play, right. Or taking a ball, like the body is in motion and it's active before, you know, like you're moving as you throw and we don't, yep. like we do static drills so frequently in coaching and teaching Right. And I, you know, as a teacher, I'm thinking about how can I apply some of this stuff into the classroom? If, if I'm back in the classroom, like, how do you apply this stuff 
we do, we do static stuff because it's the easiest way for us as the adult to control it. Exactly. Right? But you're saying, and I love it, right? This idea that, and this drill was saying, start the thing, put it towards motion first, because that's the natural way our bodies and our minds kind of work. Well, you're saying uh, kids, six, seven, eight, 15, whatever, want to play. Let's, that's the natural tendency for them. And when you go into a gym and you can't get them out to play seven on seven, the reason is because they're saying, I'm having fun with my friends, fun with my friends playing right now. Yep. And we don't play. We step, we set them in lines and we keep them static. And I just think, can we, you know, can we be creative to create movement flow type activities in yep. whatever we're doing? Right. Well, because it's natural. And, exactly. that, and that's how, that's how it always ends up, whether it's, we're talking about sports or, or work or whatever, it's never, we line up and this is the direction it goes and that's how it works. Right. We're exactly. always, as, as coaches, you're always like, okay, how do we get people, kids to react to game-like situations when things get chaotic? Right. I think about the bull in the ring, that's that drill that you just talked about. It, first of all, now you can you can give linemen a football and they get to pretend like they're running backs in this little circle. Exactly. And, and they're appeased. But also for them blocking, that's the hardest block for an offensive lineman is open field, getting connected with somebody and staying yep. staying engaged. Right. Yep. And and now you're doing it every day. Now you're teaching them not only to learn the skill, but to adapt and react. And I think that's that's what life is, right? How do we you, teach kids to adapt and react? So a lot of the trend um, in performance training now is going to, I guess, um, fluid drills where you're just teaching them to react. It's like tag. I'm watching them and they're kind of what, you know, let's put a bucket out here and let's have a ball. And it's kind of like capture the flag, only you got to throw the ball to each other and you got to get it in the bucket but it's all about just people reacting to situations and movements. And, um, and you bring up another thing that I think is so important as we go back to football, which is we have this group of O and D linemen or bigger kids in youth football that have been alienated. They're told they can't throw, they can't be a running back, they can't catch. And we're crazy if we think we're not losing those kids at a higher rate because of the rules that we've put in place. So instead of alienating that group, why aren't we finding creative ways to bring them back in? And I think the flag does it. I think the tackle bar does it. Um, but really, we don't know who the best quarterback in the 12th grade is going to be when they're in third grade. And our purpose here is let's create an environment. Um, our flagship game off this is kind of is three on three football. It's just exactly what we all did in the backyard. And I've told coaches, we're now doing this grades three through 12. And I told coaches, if you want to have a really fun night, watch your nine through 12, watch them all play three on three football. There will not be a better evaluation period for you and your coaches to figure out who can do stuff because we are always telling them what they have to do. Just see who can throw the ball, see who can get out of a break. And the cool thing is in our three on three flagship model, we take the coaches and the huddles out of it. It plays just like three and three basketball. And I have people go, uh, mainly parents say, well, what do you mean? There, there's no huddles, there's no plays. And I'm going, we didn't have huddles and plays growing up. Let them figure it out. And then what happens? 
they come back the next week. You can tell these kids have been texting all week about, well, let's go in motion and let's stack the receivers. And how are we going to defend that? And they come back a week later, knowing that they're responsible for coming, coming up. And now our football IQ is growing. And um, I was just going to say that when I was younger, it was like a look between me and a quarterback, right? Exactly. I knew I could beat that kid. Right. Yep. Or like I give him, you know, some sort of hand signal that it was, you know, we played, to, it was always the same kids playing together, you know, and exactly. we were pretty successful at the high school level. Why? Cause we played together every day when we were eight, you yep. know, like we just knew what each other did. And we, we understood, like, if I said something, he understood me. Like there was a language created that wasn't even verbal all the time. And why? Because we played, we played with all kinds of ideas. It was never yes. just like go and structure this thing. And then, you know, here's the route tree. Here are the numbers. This is what you do. Right. It was, yeah. it was fluid. Like you're talking about. And I, and I was mm-hmm. reading something, the difference between open drills, closed drills and chaotic drills. Right. And okay. we're moving more towards, you know, closed drills are the traditional, this is, here are all of the structures open drills are we it's fluid like you're talking about and then chaos is okay you're the coach introduce an agent of chaos where they have to respond in the moment yep. to that thing and it's like i love those ideas right let's move away from close let's start to introduce open and as they get more comfortable with those open drills let's create some chaos so they have to react and respond as john said because life is that way I, I think about your story you know in the last two and a half years it's never been one direction here you go you know but you're finding this thing and i think it's powerful um, thank you um on. you bring up another thought is um we've been working on these things we call missions and it would be something as such as uh you and your pot of five people we might have five pods of five and we'll say something like, okay, you all have a ball. Um, we need all of you to get to the other side of the field. You all have to throw the ball. You all have to catch a ball. And you all have to snap a ball between your legs. We're going to give you 30 seconds to talk this over as a group. And then we're going to say go. And at which point we just sit back and we try to figure out who's taking the leadership role, who's going to be the follower, who's afraid to even speak up in the group. And all of a sudden you see all these other dynamics of these six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds. And from a coaching perspective, you're going, this is kind of like something I did at summer camp when I was nine. But when you flip it and go, wow, look at what I'm able to pull from just sitting back and watching these kids have to create this situation. Um, it reminds me of a book. And again, I'm terrible. At, I like the stories in books. I'm terrible at the recall, but um, it talks about the CEOs and basically the kindergartners and they're given like 10 objects to stack on top of each other. And consistently the kindergartners win the game because the adults and the CEOs are so busy trying to figure out who the leader is and what their role is that they're just sitting there wasting time. And the, the little kids are just slopping stuff together. Right. And a minute is up and they've got this tower built at six feet and the adults are still over there trying to decide, you know, who's going to get paid the most money. I don't know. So it's just, it's that idea of let, let these kids go. They're, they're pretty smart and they can figure things out if we allow them and if we can get out of the way. So we've taken the t-shirt t-shirts out of use sports. We're just like, we don't need a t-shirt for everything we do, you know, we don't need a coach for everything we do. Let's, let's just change the model a little bit and say, 
can they survive without having a t-shirt, a fancy t-shirt with their name on it? I think they can. You know? We did. <laughs> yeah, we did. We wore life jackets, my brother and I. So my brother is a coach in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. And his job right now is development. He has to work with all the guys that are on the practice squad for the most part. And it's really interesting how at the highest of levels and what I'm doing, basically what he's told is get them a ton of reps and don't get them hurt. Keep them safe. Right. And I, you just slip and go, that's exactly what we want to use for. Let's get the top reps. And he's at the pinnacle working with the greatest athletes in the world. And he's, he's charged with the same mission. So, so how do you, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this in the, within the scope of youth sports for now, yeah. right? What do you say to high school coaches that say, well, yeah, but at some point we got to teach actual blocking, scheme. passing, scheme, yep. X's and O's, because again, as a college coach, you got to have kids that come in and have a foundation of those things. So, but I, I love it. I just want to know how you talk to coaches because when I was coaching in Colorado, you know, we didn't. I wish that we would have had this conversation because I, I have so many things going through my head, but like we did twice a week, we would play dodgeball or kickball or wiffle ball, yeah. full pad, full contact, full pads, dodgeball. Like that's incredible, I think. But anyway, how do you give this to, to high school coaches or higher level coaches where they say, how do we fit, fit this into also creating that foundational base? Yeah, the first thing I, I tell everyone is this is a supplemental form of football. You know, the, the, the free form football that we're talking about, this is just a supplemental form. We need seven on seven. We need three on three. We need nine on nine. We need 11 on 11. We especially need the 11 on 11 model that we all love, right? There's, there, there, there's a beauty to the yeah. fact that you have, and I don't want to take away from this. It's just as important that we have 90 guys on a team with only one ball, Right. That that's an important thing for all of us to be a part of, but and it grew in shape. All of us. Ex exactly right. It it helps our society more than anyone knows. Is there's one ball for ninety people. That is a great a great life lesson, and we need that. So my point to varsity coaches is this free form model that we're doing in the three on three. This is a way to try to make sure that we get as many people to your very good cultures and programs in ninth grade. It's not here to take a new model of how we practice nine through 12. Or I'll say, whenever we don't need to be winning a game, this is a great change up to throw at your guys. So you said we do the dodgeball. You can take any one of these drills to change it up and say in a varsity setting, in a pro setting, I heard the other day through my brother that they were playing ultimate football with the Cleveland Browns rookies. And they were having a blast. Why? Because it was continuous and they just got to move and they got to figure out again who the leadership models are. And again, it goes back to just because it's the highest levels doesn't mean we don't all have a little bit of that. I really like this because it's fun and it's competitive. So we were doing bocce ball the other day with footballs and footballs don't roll normally, but why do the kids love it? Because this is another book. It was called hit makers. And it said, that I, it's one of these nuggets that has just stuck with me. Everyone wants something new, but they don't want something so new they can't understand it. And 
So you take bocce ball with the kid and he goes, oh yeah, I've played bocce ball, I get it. But it's just new enough with a football that rolls a little bit differently. And all of a sudden they love it. So that, and I, I kind of answered more than one question, but. I think about the beginning of practice for a high school coach, you know, like you, we have retention issues from ninth grade to 12th grade as high school coaches. Why not mm-hmm. make the first 15 minutes of practice? Like, all right, we're playing bocce with a football today. You know, like, and now they love it. Now they love coming to practice just for the first 15 minutes because they're having fun with their friends doing something that they already know how to do, but now there's a new impetus in it. Like it's, it's simple. It's just not that easy sometimes to implement because you want, you want to, we get so protective as coaches of the time, right? And we, we interact with that with the mindset stuff. Like, I don't know if we're gonna have time for that. Well, you prioritize what you value, you know, and if you value fun and retention and time with your friends, like for your athletes, maybe this stuff is where we need to be headed. You get, you get what you emphasize. And to me, it's not th- this whole movement with, with my thought also is we're not losing the top 10 to 15%. They're going to be playing their AAU football now with their seven on sevens and all that. But we're really trying to get is that meaty part of the bell curve that it's easy for them to walk away. We're trying to keep that group. I mean, that is what makes your best football teams. It's not your top 10 percenters in football. It's everybody else that stays out to keep those guys healthy, to be a part of the team. So when we're thinking about these little activities and playing bocce ball, guess what? The least talented runner could win in bocce ball. So as you start saying, what's the importance of these other tools? It's to allow someone else to have success. The same way I was talking about bringing in, like with wrestling, we just say, we have two guys lay on the ground and grab a football as tightly as they can. And then they just wrestle and whoever gets the ball gets the ball. Now we all have had to do that probably once under a pile, but there were a couple of these, they would, we had two brothers doing this. It went on for a minute and a half. It looked like a wrestling match. You could not even see the ball, but what are you really trying to do? You're trying to get a hand away. You know, you're trying to rip his hand away to get your, you know, it, it was beautiful. It, it was so much fun to watch and the kids were loving it. And all they're doing is playing war with the football, but it's wrestling. It really is. I love, so, the, idea, I love the idea of getting all, everybody opportunities to be successful and, and contribute. I, yeah. just, I was just on a meeting for, I work in mental health. I was, I worked for a hospital in Northern Minnesota and we, we just had a meeting where we needed to pull all of our staff in and say, Hey, here are, here's the problem. How, what ideas do you have? And then we gave them the, then it's like, okay, who wants to be part of this solution? It's like, mm-hmm. this is my idea. And now this is what I want to do about it. Cool. Go do it. And that's what you're saying in terms of coaching too. It's like, okay, Hey, here's the skill we need to, you know, let's high point. Let's go yeah. jump ball. You guys figure out the scoring system. What yeah. works for you? Because what we, what we want you to do is compete and grow each other and get better. Yeah. That's it. What I'm, what I really, my goal is now moving forward. And again, it just keeps blossoming. So I had a couple of coaches that I posted a couple of what a couple of the things that we do in what we're calling freeform, and a couple said, "Hey, could you come down and kind of train our staff, or could you come down and run your stuff?" And and my point to them is, I will come down, but I don't want to bring a big staff. Like mm. I want to show you, I want you guys to be able to do this stuff. 
So no, I'm not going to bring down 10 people and run a whole camp and you guys just sit back and take notes. Because that's how it's always, it's how it's always been done. Well, and that goes back to the whole clinic thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone goes in a big room. They, they, they write down their notes. They tuck them away for eight months and then football starting and they rip them back out. And this is the other reason my consulting, the light bulb went on in my head with consulting is I would, I would speak at these presentations for the AFCA or whatever. And then I'd get a call in August where a high school coach is like, oh, I'm starting to think about football again. Hey, could you come out to our school? And I'm like, no, like we're starting football over here. That's why I spoke on this in, in, in March. Like we could have talked then. And what, what you realize at all different levels is we don't all have the same amount of time to prep our practice, to get ready in the off season. For some people it's, hey, we're walking into this two weeks out and we got to figure it out and go. And I'm hoping the consulting piece allows coaches to say, you know what, I can bring that clinic to me now. It can be on site and I can get feedback in season. And again, with, with the, the free form stuff, that's just more of, I want to come on site and I want your coaches to have to be a part of it so they can start, because I'm going to tell you the first time a kid does something wrong, it's really hard not to want to jump in and say, no, 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 do it this way. They've got to get the feel for it. Whoa, just step back. They can figure it out. The ball went away over there. Maybe they'll just grab another ball. They don't, you know, it's like, just let's let them just stand back for a little bit. And it's tough. It's really tough sometimes to get out of that football mentality of we've got to coach loud and scream every second. And that's the other beauty of going to other sports. They don't all coach like football coaches. And not all football coaches coach like that. I'm not saying that. But, man, there are, there are some other ways. It's the beauty of play on top of it, right? Because play necessitates continuation of play. And so you learn to figure out that if I drop the ball, play ends. So you value catching the ball. And, and I, like, I could have this conversation for forever um, because it's, it's just a part of the way that I think is like when we are in a position like we are as coaches – we then get the capacity to impact people, right? And we can impact them as parents do, as, you know, teachers do in positive and negative ways. And we want to create as many, like, and not feel good, not, we want to create as many positive influences with them as possible so that the someday of this turns into, I really like that guy. I really like that experience. And I think I trust him enough to go and have the next conversation. Right. And that's what retention is also, you know, when we get to freshman, sophomore, junior year, high school coaches, you better be reaching out to your kids and find out where they're at right now, because that's going to help you retain your athletes. We, this is a multifaceted circular problem that we're dealing with. And you are addressing three or four or five parts of it in an awesome way in one spot. And it's just cool stuff, man. I, thank you. like, Like I said, I, we have, we could probably have this conversation all day, but nobody yeah. wants to listen to that. We just nerd out. Um, yeah. I'm so grateful you came on. I've, I've loved having these conversations and anything that we can do to magnify your message. Uh, let us know and we'll help. Well, um, you know, two things to start off is a uh, website, I guess, um, for my consulting is www. Well, it's route tree MN as in Minnesota.com. So R O U T E tree. MN as in Minnesota.com. And then 
we're still building out our freeform platform. I think we're going to be called Fast Break Football, and um, that will include the three-on-three. Three. For now, it's on a website, uh, roadtree3on3.com. So any traffic that can go there, we're, we're willing to come out and consult. We're willing to, I guess, in-service, for no better word, um, your staff on how some of this freeform works. And then our goal is to build out enough curriculum at some point where we're going out and we're clinicking people all over the country on this, this style of this training method for football is the goal. I love it. And overall, the concept of, you know, that keeps coming back to me is don't do things the way that it's always been done because that's the way it's supposed to be done. I think so. and, And I think so many sports you touched on this, so many sports have, adapted and grown and learned and pulled from from other things and football for a long time which is a game that we all love has kind of stayed the course and it's like no this is what we do we plot along we do this thing and I think we can use that in all of our lives because so often we get into the tunnel and we say oh this is the thing that makes sense to us let's just keep going down that road rather than learning from you know, people that have different points of view from us or different disciplines in our, you know, in our field of expertise or whatever it is. So I, I love that you're bringing this to football because I think it certainly is going to change, change the game. Yeah. And I have an interesting theory on that, you know, with football, there's so much scheme involved in football. I think we put a lot of time and effort into scheme, whereas soccer, there might be less scheme with baseball, there's less scheme. So to me, we've had a ton of growth in the X's and O's in football. It amazes me the things that they're doing now from 10 years ago. But where we haven't had a lot of growth is how we actually practice. I think there's been a movement of doing less um, contact, which has been right. great. But I think you still go onto a football field and you go, that looks like the same setup in drills that have been run you know, 30 years ago. I, I, I don't see, we think we have enough advancement in there. And in my opinion, they exist in everyday games and they exist in these other sports. They're there. We just have to find a way to go. Now, how do we put a football in someone's hands? That's it. Awesome. Thanks again, Trav. Yeah. Loved having Thanks, you Thanks, guys. John, thank you. Appreciate it, Jamie. Thanks again to Travis Walsh. I Cool stuff in there, Jamie. A ton of life lessons, a lot of uh, potential takeaways. I took a bunch of notes. Um, you know, one of the things that stood out to me, you know, and I guess I just kind of got done saying this to him, but it's the, you're not doing stuff the same way that we've always done it just because that's the way we've always done it. I actually just had a conversation with, you know, a coworker of mine about a similar thing. Like, Hey, we don't just keep doing stuff the same way. And then it's in association with that. I think it's, how do we learn from other disciplines that are outside of maybe our mainstream focus in whatever area, whether that's sports performance or mental health or teaching or business or whatever, how do you learn and pull from other things? How about you? What was your aha moment or takeaways? That was certainly part of it is I'm reading, or I just finished this book uh, by Stephen Kotler called the art of impossible. And, And his idea is like using the neurobiology of the brain to help us perform at our highest level. And one of the things that he talks about is making connections, right? Is this capacity to step outside of our norm 
right? Whether that's not doing things the way that we've always done it or looking across discipline, like you mentioned, to get more information and more input. And I immediately thought of picking up the guitar for real and trying to do it better last summer, right? When we were kind of starting this podcast. And then this fall, when we decided to take on this house project and all of the random connections I've been able to make in the last 12 months because of just those two things that were outside of my norm. I dug in, I learned how to do them a little so, bit, just a so little when, bit. When you say connections though, clarify that a little bit. Cause I mean, I think that can mean a lot of different things. For sure. I, th I think one of the things I was thinking about even this morning was we're looking at how to finish something downstairs in the house. And I'm going, we might have to get a little bit creative with that. I have to might have to have a more creative approach to this because it's not going to just go the way that something we would expect it to. And so we start to pull from other places where we've had to be creative before. You know, I think about learning as a teacher. Again, I want to make as many connections to a word so that it retains, right? So that retention happens. Um, in as many different avenues as I can, because then it's going to reinforce that learning in a different way. And, you know, I, that's the type of connection I'm looking for. So like, so like when Travis was talking about doing drills that are teaching basically the same skills or the skills we want them to learn, but in a, in a game gamified yeah. situation where it's, it looks different than it usually does, but it's the same skill. That's kind of right. That's the connection Absolutely. you're talking about. Absolutely. And then if you bring it back to the neurobiology of the book that I've been just finished, it talks about how that, like the chemicals in our brain, when we make those type of connections, we get those aha moments, the, the dopamine or the, you know, all the different chemicals that the brain provides, put that into long-term memory much more easily because you get that little shot of joy from making that connection or because it's fun. Right. And I think that's the thing when I think about the conversation with Trav specifically is like, we want to create playful experiences for people in our lives, especially for the leaders there so that those things are fun and they, they use what our brains are designed to do, which is to say, let's make these strong connections and let's put them into long-term memory and let's use them well. And, you know, I think, uh, what Travis is doing with this cross discipline, free form football, like we could do this in many areas of our life where it's more free form. I think Google does this, you know, Apple does this where they get 20, you know, 80, 20, right. It's 20% of your work time is work on something that you're passionate about, grow something. And I think Gmail came out of that. You know, if you, you look at some of the, the best most profitable inventions of the 21st century. Those things came out of that free form, fun, playful type creation. And I think Trav's really onto something and, and it can help grow the sport that we love. Absolutely. And I think the other thing too, is that it just like all of our conversations, it applies in other areas of your life. Where can that free form creativity inducing activities, things like that, play. you know, whether play, right. And it, you may not call it play in the business world, but how do you, but maybe you do right. Play maybe with we this. Should. Maybe we should, yeah. because I think as adults, we lose that, right. We lose that sense of play. Everything is kind of surrounding work. Yeah. 
And, and then it just becomes more of a burden most of the time, but how can we create that play like environment that promotes creativity, promotes buy-in and develops those skills and connections? Absolutely. I, you know, I've said it a few times. I'm really excited for what they're doing because I think it can teach us and that skill transference thing. We've talked about it so many times. We have to be able to transfer skills from one area of our life into the next. And the better we do that, the more fluid and comfortable and flexible we are on that, the more success we're going to have. Jamie, I appreciate you listeners out there. We appreciate you as always. And we've gotten some really cool feedback the last few weeks, Jamie, from our listeners that, and it, it's not all the time, but we get emails, we get texts, we get Facebook messages and it's, it's like, Hey, thank you for doing what you do. And, and ultimately that's what it's about for us. Um, we do bring you this ad free cost free. The only thing that we ask is that you share it, give it away, provide the information, challenge somebody else in your life to get better today. And as always live eyes up.